Hello, my name is Colin Donnell, and you're listening to Episode 6 of The Run Loop, a weekly discussion about designing and developing iOS and Mac apps. Today's guest is Gene McDonald. Gene, welcome to the show. Hi, Colin. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me. I'm really glad to have this opportunity to talk with you. I'm really glad to have you. Uh, how, how are you doing? I'm doing good. It's sort of but you know, par for the course for the week before WWDC, where I always overcommit mm. um, and then say, how did I think I would get all these things done by three days from now? So, or whatever, four days from now I'm leaving. So whenever you listen to this, I'll probably be completely overwhelmed from stress. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. Um, I have not overcommitted. I'm doing one podcast recording next week. Uh, cool. Actually, I should say this since we're talking about WC at the beginning of the show. I uh, I will be at I will be at WWC. So if anybody listening wants, uh, you know, to say hi, or uh, you know, I'm going to have some stickers and maybe some other stuff uh, if it shows up in time uh, to give away from the you know run loop stuff. Um, but then also, uh, I'm going to have I bought a portable recorder. And I'm going to be Ooh. walking around like a uh, like a news person. I even got <laughs> I got one of the flags like news reporters uh-huh. have when they're on camera. <laughs> That's my I logo. Love it's so nerdy. Um, so uh, I'm going to be walking around uh, just trying to. I'm, I'm doing one like re- you know like recording recording like in a hotel room with people. But I'm also yeah. just going to be walking around uh, trying to talk to people at the you know at the conference. Uh, you know, see how they react mm-hmm. to whatever. Yeah. So. If you're listening and people want to do that, I thought might as well mention that at the top of the show uh, since we were talking about that. <laughs> so what have you overcommitted? So I guess I have kind of committed myself to uh, yeah. one thing. I'm like, wait a second. Yeah. You, you've committed to more, at least being publicly out there 24-7 or whatever with your microphone. So Yeah, it's going to be... I, I, it's going to be very silly, uh, but I think it'll be really fun. I, I probably spent too much money on all this stuff for it, but it's going to be really fun. Um, so what have you overcommitted yourself to, Jean? Um, well, I, this is going to be the first time in a while I don't have a badge for the actual WWDC conference. Mm -hmm. Um, and I decided that this year was, I had other things going on and I really wouldn't take advantage of it. Um, like, you know, to make it valuable for me to be there to take a badge away from somebody else. And so um, I will be speaking at CocoConf next door, as it's called, which is a um, CocoConf conference running parallel to WWDC. And I'm Mm -hmm. looking forward to that. Um, I love the CocoConf people and I'm sure it's going to be a great group. Um, We are having two events that App Camp for Girls is the beneficiary of, which um, the nonprofit that I started, which teaches girls how to make iOS apps. Uh, Sunday night, there's a screening of App, the Human Story, which is a documentary that was kickstarted a couple of years ago, big Kickstarter, and the filmmakers have been following app developers around for a couple of years. And the film is, this will be its first big screening. So I'm very excited about it. Um, just to see it and see it in a theater. And also uh, a lot of the people who are featured in the film, like our mutual friend, Brent Simmons, mm-hmm. um, Ish Shabazz and um, uh, the panic guys from panic uh, are going to be, um, 
there for a panel afterwards, but not to just talk about the film or really not to focus on the film per se, but to talk about the subject. Um, the topic is human dignity in app development. And that's going to be moderated by John Gruber. So it's going to be a pretty awesome that evening sounds, of, yeah. <laughs> sounds fun. Yeah. So there's tickets available for that, but they're giving all the ticket revenue to App Camp for Girls. So yay. That's amazing. Um, and we have a special connection with the, the developer. I mean, the director's actually came to Portland for a week and filmed us like for a whole week. It was like being on reality TV. Um, and uh, unfortunately, you know, as the film evolved, or fortunately, because the film is really cool, but unfortunately for App Camp, we're not like a big focus of the film, but you'll see mm-hmm. us in B-roll and some of our volunteers are um, featured. And of course, you know, everybody um, that I know in the film is a big supporter for, of App Camp for Girls, as are the filmmakers. So they, that's what they wanted to do. So that's pretty exciting. That's mm-hmm. kicking off Sunday night. And then Wednesday night is the annual James Dempsey and the Breakpoints live near WWDC. Yes. And uh, that, if you know, for people who have not seen James Dempsey, and you really must make an effort because you will never hear a more geeky set list of songs um, or a more lively band made up of mostly iOS developers. And James is one of the, is the consummate showman entertainer. He's the best. He's the best band leader um, in every sense of the word. So the James is, uh, has been doing this. This will be, I think the sixth year in a row, but it's, um, Last year, we decided to combine. App Camp was having a fundraising party on Wednesday nights at Dub Dub, and James was having his concert on Wednesday nights at Dub Dub, and we have very big overlap in fans. So, James suggested last year that they make the concert a benefit show for App Camp, and you know, we did it last year, and it was awesome. And this year, it's going to be even cooler because the venue, which is right across the street from the convention center is the Civic National, wait, sorry, City National Civic Auditorium mm-hmm. in San Jose, which is, is like a landmark venue. It's it's a really huge old vintage um, auditorium. I, they have amazing rock shows there. And, you know, you see all the posters of everybody who's performed there. Um, we're trying to figure out how to get our band posters like out on the marquee, you know, they have like mm-hmm. three story marquee. James will figure that out, I'm sure. But uh, that is also a benefit. Um, the t- all the ticket prices, um, I mean, the ticket um, revenue will go directly to App Camp for Girls because the drinks and the venue are sponsored by um, some wonderful corporate sponsors, uh, Capital One being the main one. So, so that's exciting, but it's not like I just say, oh, great, you can just send us a check. And I'll, you know, see you there Wednesday night. I'm Mm -hmm. definitely very hands-on involved helping the organizers make it a success. And I'm excited, but I'm also like you, will the swag come on time (laughs) that I've ordered? (laughs) So, um, so those, that's a couple of things. I actually be attending Layers Conference as well. I spoke there last year, Uh which is another wonderful conference. And I really wanted to be able to go again this year as a t- an attendee. So I'll be kind of splitting my time between layers and CocoConf next door. And hopefully some, ep- some of the uh, offerings at AltConf as well. So it's, it's a crazy cornucopia of 
wonderful things for, for people who are interested in Mac and iOS development this year. And I can't wait to see how it all goes off, you know, in San Jose. It's mm-hmm. a new venue, a new city, and everything is, you know, all bets are off in terms of like knowing your way around or where to go. I've asked a lot of people in San Jose about karaoke and everybody says it's not that good there. So, Oh, I've, I've done karaoke in San Jose. You have? Uh-huh. Oh. Well, I, I, well, <laughs> at, a, at a 360i dev, I did karaoke in San Jose one time and it was it oh. was fun. Maybe I can try and remember where it was at. That would be good. And send me that, like I have time for another yeah. um, event, but you know me, I will, if I can make karaoke happen, I will. So I know you're part of, you said you're part of two different monthly karaoke groups now in Portland. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Portland people uh, love karaoke. I feel like when I first moved yeah. there, I feel like I went like twice a week for a while. So I lived, yeah. right, so I lived right on Mississippi Avenue. And at that yeah. point there were like two or there were like two or three different places that had it every, you know, at least one day a week. So yeah. Was, um, so uh, anyway. Backing up a little bit, since you just you just dropped a lot of information on this all at once. So back you up a little bit. Um, so app camp for girls, right? Uh, yes. That whole thing. Uh, I'm just going to say the first thing I remember that you said. Uh, so app camp for girls. Um, <laughs> how did you How did you get involved with? Like you said, you you, know, you founded it, but I mean, mm-hmm. how did you how How did that start? Um, well, it did start as an inspiration I had at WWDC uh, in 2011. I was there. It was my second dub dub, like having a badge and, you know, Mm -hmm. being inside the Moscone center and actually seeing, you know, the everything up close and personal. And I think the first year I was just so excited to be inside and I was taking everything in and overwhelmed. But the second year, I would be sitting there and going, hmm, there's like hardly any women here, like mm-hmm. almost none. It, you really have to look hard for them. Or, mm-hmm. you know, at least that was the case in 2011. And I kind of joked about it on Twitter saying, maybe we should start an app camp for girls. Like, I was like, what could we do to to help girls get more um, interested in this field? I think, you know, that one of the problems is that they don't realize how much fun and how creative app development is. And that being a software developer is not only about sitting in front of a computer writing code. Uh, I mean, that can be a big part of it, but that's not the only part of it. And that they should, you know, if we could get more girls exposed to the, the whole range of fun stuff you get to do, if you're in this business that they might, um, be more interested in technology going forward. So we are focused on middle school girls. We try to get mm-hmm. them before they go to high school where it's well documented that girls' interest in math and science drops out, um, drops precipitously um, for a variety of reasons. So, you know, middle school girls are still open to, I think, more range of 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 activities and and focus for their you know subjects it's in school and as hobbies and mm-hmm. that's um yeah so we start at t- 2011 literally was kind of saying somebody should start this somebody should do this uh and then like a year later nobody had just magically done it and i thought well i can't stop thinking about it i have a lot of ideas of how it would work 
especially because I had been involved for a few years prior with the Rock and Roll Camp for Girls in Portland, which is a really cool nonprofit that um, builds confidence and self-esteem and creativity in girls through Mm -hmm. learning how to be rock stars. And it's awesome. (laughs) Uh, Rock and Roll, is that the one that... uh, can we talk about that yeah. a little bit actually? Yeah, I think sure. I've heard to. of I've heard of that before. That's the one that had like uh some of some connection to like Slater Kenny and some other mm-hmm. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um in fact I I mean, I don't know the exact details but I know that um I think both Corinne and um Carrie were involved in as volunteers in the early days of mm-hmm. rock camp, which start it started in Portland. The first rock camp ever was held in Portland in 2000, um, the year 2001, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so, and I know that Carrie has credited with writing the rock camp camp song, which is an amazing blues song uh-huh. um, that we play at every um, show. And, um, but it, it, yeah, it's, it's now, I believe it's in 40 or 50 cities around the world. And it is, um, in most cities, you know, have, have a rock and roll camp for girls. And mm-hmm. I got involved in it because one of my very uh, creative and energetic friends said, I believe it was on a New Year's Eve, so we might have been drinking. And she said, mm-hmm. we should totally sign up for ladies rock camp this year. And I'm like, what is that? That sounds cool. And we did, um, we went for a three day, it's like a shortened version of the rock and roll camp program that they do for girls. Uh-huh. And I, it was my first time playing electric guitar. I'd played guitar before, but I'd never played electric. And we had a band, which was called the Toxic Sheilas, because our lead singer was from Australia. She came all the way from Sydney to come to rock camp in Portland. And we wrote a song. <laughs> And we played it at Satyricon, which is, if people know Portland, uh, Satyricon is one of, was one of the, um, you know, historic punk rock grunge venues of of um, for concerts and maybe apocryphally, but I I believe that's where like um, Kurt Cobain met Courtney Love, but whatever. <laughs> They've all played there and I've played there now too, nice. which is pretty exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so, so by three days, you're like a rock star. You, you learn, you don't have to come to rock camp for girls or for ladies rock camp with any musical experience, mm-hmm. which makes it really cool because everybody could be starting from zero. And it's all about like, let's see what you can do in a couple of days with people supporting you and, and teaching and, you know, learn what you can learn. And, um, it's, it's just, it's a transformative experience for everybody who does it, girls and women, um, both. And so I had, after I'd done it a couple of times as a participant, um, I, I volunteered to teach guitar at girls rock and roll camp and, which is pretty funny, like me, mm-hmm. middle-aged lady teaching young girls how to rock out. But hey, it really was was great. I think you're pretty that. rock and roll, Jean. <laughs> so, well, yeah. So, you know, I have all these like friends in my age group who are, some of them have bands. And, you know, as we said, we do karaoke together once a month. And we it just changed my whole attitude towards rock and roll. And um, 
and uh, and towards what I could do, you know, given like a little bit of uh, encouragement and you know put some effort and write a write a rock and roll song, play electric guitar. Now I actually can also play the drums. I have a drum kit. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and I love playing the drums. And I never saw myself as a drummer because, you know, honestly, back when I was a girl electric guitars and drum kits were boys things you know mm. girls had like we had our our um folk guitars our acoustic guitars and we played like peter paul and mary and you know simon and garfunkel and james taylor mm-hmm. my brother who never took a music lesson in his life owned an electric guitar <laughs> and was sitting in his bedroom like figuring out led zeppelin riffs and i i just felt like i it felt you know mm, I didn't feel invited to that, I suppose. And, and I think, you know, it's true as in many areas of, of creativity that, you know, they're dominated by men and, um, you know, especially in rock and roll, it can be dangerous <laughs> to be a female rock star. If you read the, the bio, you know, autobiographies mm. of any woman rock star, you, you usually have a few horror stories about, recording companies and radio stations and places where they've been not felt safe. So um, rock camp changed that for me and for lots of women. And I thought, how can we apply this to app development? <laughs> because yeah. So it's kind of like an inspiration. <laughs> yeah. Rock and roll, you know, just doesn't require the precision that Xcode does. And I, you know, I knew that we couldn't just say, Hey, just start, making up an app and we'll make it run on your phone. You know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I sort of wanted to do something like that, but lucky for me. And also in 2012, I met um, my co-founder, Gray Osten, who is, um, who is an iOS developer and um, Gray and I worked on the initial curriculum. We did a, an alpha camp uh, day with some girls where I said like, girls like, what would you want to do for an app? And we like came up with something pretty simple. I said, let's keep making it simpler and simpler. And then Gray came at lunchtime and saw what they wanted to build and built something like it, which was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. But afterwards they said, Gray said to me, um, yeah, we have to have something more like a template. We can't just like let them go in any direction or we'll never get something working in a week, which was my goal to have that sense of accomplishment um, which we had in rock camp by playing our own song on the, on a real stage in a real venue to have an app that you made running on an iOS device by Friday <laughs> or Monday. That makes so, a lot of sense. <laughs> Gray, uh, luckily, like I said, I, 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 I had great, um, great fortune to have a co-founder who was, who's very creative and really into helping kids learn iOS development, but also as realistic about what is, can be done in a week. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's how we got started. That was 2012. Gray and I met, and then 2013 we had the first camp here in Portland. Hello, podcast friends. Colin here. At this point, I want to take a quick break to talk to you about how you can support the show and help it find more people who might not otherwise find out about it. Um, The best way that the Run Loop has to grow its audience is through word of mouth. So if you're like the show, it would be really helpful to me 
if you could tell a friend, tweet about it, if you use Overcast, uh, recommend it, um, or leave a review or rating in iTunes. Any of that would be super useful. Uh, if you would like to do even a little bit more to support the show, uh, you can become a supporter on Patreon. If you're not familiar, Patreon is a website which lets you become a patron in order to give a monthly donation and support your favorite creators. Uh, you can get started for $1, and between $1 and $49, the uh, gift that you will receive from me is my sincere gratitude. Uh, that's going to go towards me uh, paying for hosting costs, buying gear, things like that. Um, if you spend $50, uh, I've opened up where uh, up to five people can get one hour of my time a month for a code or design review of their app. So that's like a pretty cheap way to hire an iOS developer for an hour. So if you'd like to do that, uh, just go to patreon.com slash Colin Donnell. Uh, either way, thank you so much for listening to the show. Um, your support means a lot to me, uh, you know, whether you do any of those things or not. And now back to talking with Gene. So that's all super interesting about how, uh, you know, AppCamp got started. And uh, it's really neat what you said about, um, you know, about, you know, being inspired by Rock Camp. So, uh, Probably my favorite musician, one of my favorite musicians, is a guy named Jonah Batranga, uh, who had a band called One Line Drawing. And I was so I was familiar with Rock Camp because he sent his daughter to it one time, um, and that's he talked cool. about it. Yeah, um, so that that's why I was so interested in it. But um, that's really cool, though, that uh, you know that there was the connection there, um, you know, between that and App Camp. So speaking of App Camp, you recently had this blog post, right, uh, at Amp Camp for girls. Uh, talking about transitioning, right? Uh, mm -hmm. You know, from kind of running everything to being more of a board member and focusing more on different parts of, uh, you know, the nonprofit or whatever. So maybe we could talk about that a little bit. Sure. It, yeah, it's been an interesting uh, transition for me because we started in 2013. So this summer we'll 2017 will be our fifth summer of camp programs. Mm -hmm. And last summer, after last summer was over, I was exhausted. We had done camps, you know, I went to two different cities to help start camps there. And um, I was turning around to go to 360i Dev in Denver. And then I, I thought, I knew I had a lot of um, work to do on the administrative and executive front of the organization. And I realized I actually don't want to be the executive director of this organization. I, I always had assumed that, okay, yes, I'll be the executive director, the, the original executive director for the first few years. But, um, you know, when we raise money, enough money to have a paid staff, which the first mm -hmm. few years we, I mean, I've been doing it as a volunteer uh, since 2013, and um, I realized that it's not just the money, it's it's the fact that I don't want to be that kind of a business manager. Um, I don't really enjoy 
the organizational human resources, accounting, tax stuff. And I was doing everything uh, around that. So uh, we have a really great board in Portland and uh, also a wonderful nonprofit advisor that we'd been working with in 2016 who was helping us to build out our, our fundraising program and also board development. And I just basically said to them, I can't keep going with this and you know I need to start earning money again too. That makes sense. Uh, <laughs> I mean it was it was good. I, I my feeling was in the beginning was I don't want to be paid some some symbolic salary. I either just want to volunteer or I want to be paid like a person in the software industry. And um I um yeah they so uh the board agreed to um, hire me as, as a fundraising director so that, you know, I could at least work a certain number of hours every week on fundraising program. And we also hired a interim executive director, which has been a fantastic experience mm-hmm. that I didn't know that that was even a, a job title or a job, a regular job that people have. But, um, I actually first heard about it from Greg Pierce, um, you know, Agile Tortoise, our friend in uh-huh. in Texas, who mentioned to me his sister did that in Seattle. She works with nonprofits like on a short-term basis to help them, you know, run an executive search to get their um, their systems in place. So executive experienced executive directors of nonprofits might um, become interim executive directors uh, through here in Oregon, there's the the nonprofit association of Oregon. They actually have executive transition services. And that's how we met Jill Keeler, who is incredible. Um, And she ran a very successful nonprofit here in Portland for seven years. And then she's been an interim executive director for rock camp Uh um, for girls Inc. And for another, you know, a few, um, uh, nonprofits that are focused on gender equity. And she is just one sharp cookie. She knows how to make things happen. She knows how to run. It's essentially a business just because it's a nonprofit. It's still a business. And I've been so grateful to have that opportunity to, you know, start handing stuff off to her and and she's making it all work. And that's given me time to focus on uh, fundraising, which is, is a board that is a board responsibility and mm-hmm. I'm still on the board of rock camp and oh, girls I actually camp. Lo- app camp. Yeah. yeah. I used to be on the board of rock camp actually. Okay. So yes, the board of app camp for girls. And I do, um, I do like fundraising when I don't have to do it in addition to everything else, you know, which, um, and I can focus on things like, you know, some of the events at WWDC or, um, how to structure campaigns to really, you know, invite supporters in uh, uh-huh. to help us, you know, with the goals that we have. So that's what I'm um, now, again, transitioned out of being paid at App Camp and just um, being a, a president of the board. I'm still very involved because it's going to be the first year that um, I'm not running all the organizational stuff, but I'm helping everybody 
you know, to the extent that they need me, I'm there for them. So it's still pretty busy, but I think by next summer, they'll be like, Jean, who? Like, oh yeah. <laughs> you know, she could, yeah, we might ask her to, you know, come visit and, and give a little talk, but we don't need her to go buy all the name badges and mm. <laughs> make the buttons and <laughs> bring the snacks. So, uh, yeah, so it's, a, it's interesting. It's been, you know, for, from a personal development, uh, you know, point of view, learning what you like doing is, and what you, what you don't like doing is, has been good for me and also learning to delegate. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I am used to doing things kind of all by myself and handling all the details and to hand things off to other people and let them run with it has been really rewarding. That's, that's really great. Um, you know, AppCamp's such a great organization. People, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of amazing that, you know, you started it and, you know, like you said, 2012 is when it like really started, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of amazing that's only been around for that amount of time because it feels like it's, I mean, I guess that's five years now, geez. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, it feels, uh, you know, it, it's such a, you know, thing in the community of, uh, you know, I hear about it so much, you know, and people are donating to it and people are, you know, talk about it a lot. And, um, you know, that's great that it's grown so much. And it seems yeah. like having, you know, it seems like, you know, having somebody, you know, you being able to focus on a little bit different stuff and then having somebody with a little bit different background probably really helps you kind of take it to the next level a little bit. <laughs> yes. Oh, completely so. And, um, you know, it's it's also um, one of the things when I mentioned to Gray, uh, when I f- first met Jill and I, I was... Um, prepping Gray for another interview with her, I said, by the way, Jill uses Windows. <gasps> <laughs> but she uses an iPhone, which is really, uh-huh. that's our platform for camp. And the beauty of having a, a real Windows user is she can totally use QuickBooks, you know, mm-hmm. the, the Windows version. And and we've been avoiding it because we knew that, you know, the Mac version wasn't as robust and now we have somebody who's who's in the windows world and for a good reason and so that actual things like accounting work you know a little easier uh-huh. because because of that um but we have lots of macs at camp and one day her windows surface was out of power and didn't want to charge and i said well you can just use this mac and you know you can get online with this and we're kind of sucking her into the mac side for sure I think you'll pull her over. Uh, okay, so moving on. Uh, so we're talking about App Camp and all that. And then, so since you've had more free time from that, uh, one of the things you've been doing that's interesting to me is you've been driving for Lyft a little bit. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> it is fun. You said you've it's... done like 150 rides? Yes, yes. I was out driving this morning, actually. Um, What's that like? A... <laughs> Um, it's great in Portland. I don't know how it would be in, in other cities because I do follow some of the Lyft driver Facebook groups. And, um, I think, eh, I think I'm happy driving for Lyft in Portland, but it probably wouldn't suit me in another city because Portlanders are great by and large. Uh-huh. You know, people live here are easygoing. They're interesting. They're friendly. They're not too stressed out, and 
I realized that I have given every passenger in my car, so I think I'm up to 153 now, everyone has gotten five-star passenger rating from me, which means they didn't do anything that made me think I don't want, you know, I would downgrade them. Or if you give somebody three stars, Lyft won't pair you with them ever again. And that's not happened to me. And I've, I'm really, on, on the other hand, I've had amazing conversations. I've met so many interesting people in Portland. Um, not everybody wants to chit chat and that's okay. And again, from the personal, personal growth side of things, it's helping me like be more um, able to just sit in my skin and, and drive and concentrate on that and let the person be introverted or engage with their device and don't feel like, you know, don't worry about it. I, I do tend to be the talkative person in most mm-hmm. situations and I, I'm learning how to be still which is always good. So, so that's, that's cool. I'm getting to know Portland better. I've been in, you know, neighborhoods that I haven't been, hadn't been to ever. And I, I'm a better driver, which I was good driver, a very good driver to begin with, but there's something about doing it professionally that just makes me like, I want to be the best at this. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I don't, I focus so much on, you know, the absolute safest driving I can possibly do, you know, because I have another person in the car who, who, you know, deserves that. And, and I realize like, wow, you know, when I'm normally tooling around town by myself, I might be listening to the radio, listening to podcasts, you know, and I don't do that. I'm basically, you know, just driving and it's good. It's focus. Focus is good. So mm-hmm. I like that. And, um, you know, just like I said, following the Lyft driver groups has been an insight into a whole, you know, section of the workforce and the economy and politics a little bit that I don't normally come into contact with. And um, I think, you know, the new gig economy, that's one of the reasons I was interested because I knew, you know, the the arguments against this kind of, you know, organization of labor and, you know, using people as contractors when really maybe they should be employees. But you know, the the uh, the system maybe isn't the best. I was curious, like, how did people who actually drive feel about it? So I was always talking to drivers when I was taking Lyft, and the drivers were all pretty much happy with Lyft and and said, you should just try it. And so that's how I, I finally was like, yeah, I, I think I will. What, you know, there's no harm in it. I can see if I like it. And I like it a lot. So that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> but I do think, you know, in, in our economy and probably in, around the world, you know, this blurring between contractors and employees is, you know, going to be one of the the social issues that's going to have to be dealt with one way or the other, because I'm just noticing how people, a lot of Lyft drivers, at least the ones who post in these groups, I realize they've only had paid, you know, employment and they don't understand what it means to be a contractor (laughs) and, Uh and, and that they're running a business now, you know, and their business is I drive for Lyft and I own the car and I'm responsible for everything 
except, um, you know, Lyft through the app gives, sends me passengers. Um, and I don't know, I think people are getting uh, educated somewhat, but it, it'll be interesting uh, to see how things evolve um, <laughs> going forward with, you know, the, the loss of regular full-time employment and benefits and the kinds of things that our parents and certainly me when I was younger thought were, were a given in, in the economy are going away. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously a lot of, I mean, I'm really happy you're enjoying it. Uh, and that like, it's a you know thing you can do part-time and that it's fun, but yeah, there's obviously like a lot of issues with, you know, that <laughs> versus, you know, people who maybe would have, you know, 20 years ago had a regular job where they had like health insurance and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And yeah, I think I, I don't think um, I could do it as a full-time gig. It doesn't pay that well. Um, you really have to, to go all out to earn what I would consider a living wage, even in Portland, which would mean like driving more than full-time, like five or six days a week. And that's not for me. But as a side gig of like, you know, hey, I think I'll do this for a few hours. It's actually worked out well for me because it's helped me to organize what is otherwise like a kind of amorphous schedule now where I have different things I'm committed to, but they don't have to happen at certain times. And now um, one of the things that I do, not every day, but maybe two or three days a week is I get up really early and I just start driving for Lyft instead of sitting in bed reading Twitter. And, uh-huh. you know, then when I'm, I've dropped, I pick somebody up and I drop them off. Then I can sit and read Twitter until the next ride comes along and it might be 15 or 20 minutes and sometimes longer. Mm-hmm. And so in getting my less productive um, ways I spend my time sandwiched into a productive schedule um, feels really good. So um, for me personally, it's been a good uh, thing. Gets me out of the house and gets me chatting with people in person instead of online. And I think that's good. But I have that luxury of knowing that I, I this is not how I make my living, you know, by and large. And so I, I'm not forced to go out and drive when I don't feel like it or I have um, other things to do. So, so I do, I feel for the people who this is, you know, the thing they started doing when they lost their job and mm-hmm. they're a bit confused about how it, you know, tracks as a way to make money compared to what they had before. Yeah. It seems like, the experience of doing it as a part-time thing, like kind of for fun and whatever, like is way different than the experience of like what you just said. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's good. Um, I mean, that's good that you, you know, you're having a good time with it. Yeah. Um, the other part isn't maybe as good for uh, some no. people, but I'm glad you're having fun. Um, so speaking of, uh, you speaking of checking Twitter and whatever, uh, <laughs> Something that's not Twitter. Do you like my transition? Um, that's good. <laughs> yeah, is uh, micro.blog, uh, mm-hmm. who are you are now doing work with. Yeah, that's right. Uh, um, micro.blog, as you know, they did a Kickstarter, they being Manton, um, in um, Manton Reese, I should say, the uh, developer, well-known developer in our community. Mm-hmm. And... Um, 
Manton. So right before I had announced that I was transitioning out of doing app camp as a full-time thing, I saw the Kickstarter and I was like, Oh, this sounds like something I would really like to be involved with that Manton had as a goal to have a community manager. And that the goal of the service is to, from day one, plan it around avoiding, um, the abuse problems that Twitter and other social networks have. So that's like a goal I could really get behind. And I wrote to him and just said, I haven't announced it yet next week. I will, but um, I would be interested in that position. (laughs) And um, yeah, it just clicked. I've known Manton for a long time. I don't, I I mean, we haven't spent tons, tons of time together. We've never worked on anything together, but in conferences, you know, I've met him and seen him speak, and I just have a huge amount of respect for him as a developer and as a person. So um, apparently, that feeling was mutual, and we we um, we decided to work together. And I couldn't be happier. It's it's exactly the kind of thing that gets me excited. It's a new product, which is you know. To me, I like to try new things on a regular basis, and it uh, has a tech component. It has a social component. You know, it's working with people I I already know and respect. You know, the 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 current um, members of the micro dot blog community. There's a, a lot of people you know who I already know. Plus, mm-hmm. I'm meeting new people that I didn't know. You know, from the indie web side of things. So people who are not. Um, focus on Apple platforms and devices day in and day out the way I have been the last 10 plus years. No, that's, that's uh no, I, I've, and I've met some of those people too on the service, which I'm also using. Uh, so um, what if you, so your role there is you've been involved with uh, marketing and then the community management side of it. Mm-hmm. Um what has been like kind of the balance so far? So, because it's not a ton of people on the service yet, because it's right. mostly just the, it's just the Kickstarter people. So, I right. imagine the community management part is probably the smaller part at this point. Yeah, I mean, I'm not working full time on it yet. I mean, that's by agreement with um, with Manton because I I still have quite a few responsibilities with App Camp for Girls, and so it worked and. And we knew that the the platform was going to ramp up, um, but in the beginning it wouldn't require, you know, two people working full time. Well, maybe two developers, but not not a community manager and marketing person working full time on the platform. Um, but so I so I would say it's still about fifty fifty. But I think mm-hmm. you know as um, when it's open to the the. Uh, to the public and we start adding, you know, lots of new users, the community um, management side of things will definitely be a big focus for me because that is at the core of the, you know, the value of, of the, of the project, which is we want, want it to, to be a community that works um, for everyone and that people can, can feel relatively, um, confident that by participating they won't um find themselves suddenly you know on the receiving end of trolling and abuse and um and and the way that manton you know 
set the the um, set the platform up. It's it's really that's what really attracted me to it in a way that um, app.net back in the days back in the day didn't, which is this is supporting independent blogging and independent microblogging in particular. So people control their own content. They can publish it wherever. Um, they don't have to only use the micro.blog hosting service. They don't even have to use it, you know, necessarily. So, so there's a different, um, you know, balance between free speech and um, regulating uh, abuse and, um, you know, behavior that, that makes people want to quit platforms. Yeah. So, and because we're, you know, you can, you can say whatever you want where you are posting stuff and, and we, we're not trying to shut people down. We're not trying to say like, Oh, let's, let's, um, let's, you know, sanitize the internet so that people don't say anything that's, you know, even mildly upsetting in any way. It's, you know, you do your thing, but if you come into contact with other microdot blog users, you are agreeing to abide by a certain pretty basic set of standards for community guidelines, because when you know, that's where the abuse happens on places like Twitter is people come in and sort of pile on somebody, you know, if you're, if you don't, um, if you don't keep your Twitter account private, you know, anybody can, can send you an at reply. And until recently, it was pretty hard to even filter those out. So a micro dot blog, <clears throat> we, you know, there's an algorithm for safe replies, it flags things that might need attention, but there's also me, you know, looking after things that get flagged or things that people um, report or anything like that. But, you know, honestly, none of that has happened yet mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's, you know, 3000 Kickstarter backers who are by, you know, definition have, have, um, you know, signed on to the, the, the goals and the values of, of the project because, that was made very clear from the beginning. Um, so that, so I like that. I like that it's not, you know, we're not trying to be the thought police in any way, you know, but we, I've seen what happens on Twitter, especially um, when people, you know, people don't behave well, <coughs> excuse me, out there and, and, you know, social media world. And so um I know women who have quit Twitter, have quit Facebook, you know, for various reasons. And it's, it's depressing because we're not getting a very good uh, mix of opinions and, and experiences shared if um, some portion of the community doesn't feel like they're able to share them without attracting abusers. Yeah, that. And, uh, you know, Manton was uh, on episode two of the show, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so people are interested in that should listen. But, um, you know, as I said there, yeah, I think that's a I think that's a great idea, I think. And it's um, and also I think that, you know, you're the perfect person to be working with Monda. I don't think he could have done any better. 
<laughs> Thanks. Well, I, I mean, I, I feel the same way. He's, he, I, when I was thinking of, you know, that I would transition to back to working as, you know, consultant for developers and helping them with marketing and community building and such, I was making a list of developers I would like to work with. You know, I was going, my plan was like, you know, this time I'm doing consulting right. I'm not going to just hang out a shingle and have random people contact me. I, I will try to work with the people I already know that I like their products and I like them. But Manta wasn't on my radar because I hadn't really understood until he put out the Kickstarter um, what he was trying to accomplish as a business. And I, and, and I thought, oh, I could actually, I would totally fit into that. I think I could do a good job. Um, for that community and for the the business micro dot blog and um, yeah it was pretty um, exciting to me to to realize like oh you know I, I hadn't even thought of working with Manton mm-hmm. and now now it's yeah he's a great person to work with and I, I mean in general I've had very good luck you know I worked at Smile for ten years and the the founders of Smile uh, are my friends Greg and Philip they. Um, they remind me of Manton or Manton reminds me of them of like serious developers, you know, serious credibility in on the tech side of things, people who don't make decisions, you know, like willy nilly, <laughs> like they think things through. Um, and certainly, you know, Manton's been thinking about micro dot blog or, you know, at least what would become micro dot blog for a long time and has, has, um, I really like that. You know, we're not chasing after some like shiny new business opportunity. We're like kind of going back, you know, old school to ind- independent web publishing, which uh, attracted us to the web to begin with, I believe. Yeah, no, that's 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 amazing. Like you guys seem like such a great pair to be doing this together. <laughs> yeah, plus he lives in Austin. I live in Portland. We have that. You know, sister cities. Sister cities. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we're officially sister cities, but I, I do know that um, you know there's a there's a, a lot of back and forth mm. uh, between the two cities, and I do love going to Austin. It's um, uh, a place that I would you know I wouldn't mind hopping down there for business reasons, mm-hmm. except in the summertime. I might so hot there, <laughs> and I think so. I, I mean, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think they're kind of like sister cities, but I think we can both agree that Portland is kind of like the better sister. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's how sisters work. I, I'm, yeah, um, well, uh, it's that. Yeah, different sisters have different strengths. Like, I mm-hmm. have two other sisters, and the three of us are all different, but we're we, you know, and we have different things we like to do and things that we excel at. But people who know us or meet us together are it's quite clear that we're sisters. Um, hmm. so. um, okay. So one more thing I wanted to uh, talk to you about well, okay. is uh, you mentioned you were speaking at CocoConf. We're speaking at <laughs> CocoConf next door uh, during mm-hmm. WWDC. And mm-hmm. the topic of that for you is crossing the geek divide. Yes. What does that mean? That means um, uh, essentially – my premise is that what makes people really good programmers and developers, uh, the skills that 
are entailed do not translate well into making them good communicators. Um, And I mean, not, not that you wouldn't be a communicator, a good communicator otherwise. And obviously I know lots of developers who are good, but I think that there are some uh, inclinations. If you work communicating with a computer all day, or that's your primary work, you, you develop certain ways of thinking that um, work well with a computer and don't work well with human beings. Mm -hmm. And um, one example would be, um, I I mean, I start off, I'll I'll be starting off with this, a preview of my talk next week is uh, precision. You know, uh, when you write code and you, you do have to be quite precise. You can't, you know, it's not a free form, uh, anything goes uh, kind of writing. There's, there's a specific way to um, to write a program or write, you know, um, any any kind of script. And and it, precision comes into it. it. It must be precise. We know that you cannot leave out. Uh, a dot or a semicolon or a bracket somewhere and and the computer doesn't just go like oh i think i know what he's doing here so i'll just run this and compile this anyway yeah there's no ambiguity <laughs> so the problem is that it i find that it it it, it creeps a little into communications like websites and release notes or you know app descriptions where that they could be too precise. They could kind of overwhelm a person um, when sometimes that it's like the bigger idea that needs to be communicated. So, um, I mean, this is an old story, and I am going to tell it again next week anyway because it was eye-opening for me because I was even tripped up by it. Which was at Smile, we um, you know we have a program called Text Expander. And in our marketing copy for a long time, it's it said like you know um, something like expand your most frequently used text strings um, for the longest time. Till a friend of mine who is no slouch, you know, in in using software, said, "I don't think people know what strings mean. Like, why text strings here?" And this was like not just buried somewhere. This was like in a headline. And I thought that's true. We're using it because we want to make sure that people understand it's not just text, like the letters A through Z. It's also characters. It's a string. It can be, you know, it can be numbers. It can be an email address. It can be, you know, and so if we say string that encompass, you know, we're being precise. That's a programming term, (laughs) but it's a programming term. And as soon as we took the word string out of it, I thought, you know, this makes perfect sense. You know, expand your most frequently used text. Um, Yes, a programmer, and I'm, you know, I know I've, uh, people do this, would say, well, it's not just text. It's, you know, it could be numbers. It could be, and be like, yes, that's true, but you know that. Um, and, but the average customer doesn't need to know every nuance of the programming side of it. So um, that got me interested. In fact, my friend Colleen Wainwright, who was the first one to point this out to me, we worked on a a presentation that uh, a proposal which didn't get accepted. We were really bummed, but I continued to be interested in that. And so I just collect examples of of things that 
are subtle, you know, about how being a geek um, might make you um, tend to communicate about your product in a way that isn't helpful to the the audience that you're trying to reach. So that's crossing the geek divide. Um, and uh, I hadn't, um, I had talked about this a bit like a few years ago. I had a very short presentation about it. And I, I like I said, I could continue to collect examples. And then for CocoConf, I thought, you know, I was looking at topics that I felt passionate about. And I thought, well, I've been doing so much more crossing of the geek divide this mm. last six months than I have in a long time because the microdot blog community is quite geeky <laughs> right now. And, you know, it's attracted a certain kind of um, person who is interested in the, you know, all of the um, the protocols and options and tools of the independent web publishing which I'm not that familiar with anymore. I mean, I haven't been actively doing website stuff in, in years. And and so I'm kind of at square one again. And I, I, at one point I thought, maybe I'm the wrong person for this group. But I realized that, no, it's exactly, I mean, I'm the kind of person who should be using micro.blog and I need to figure out how to explain it and make it easy for people like me and also people other people who, you know, like to blog and like to tweet and things like that, but don't really care or need to know about the the underlying, you know, um, things about feeds and WordPress and um, plugins and, you know, the, the, the stuff that makes some people really excited. So, mm-hmm. um, so I'm learning new things um, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to um, shape the message about them to people to not scare people away. <laughs> yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and you know, speaking in terms of like micro.blog, uh, you mentioned WordPress very briefly, but like I think that'd be a great example, right, of something that like normal people use, where like they go to like you know get a WordPress.com site or whatever, mm-hmm. and you know. If you don't want to like learn about like plugins and like hosting your own WordPress site and doing all that and you know uh, editing templates or whatever and writing PHP, like mm-hmm. you totally don't have to and you can still blog and it works, mm-hmm. uh, you know. But if you want to get deeper into it, you can. Yeah. So I think um, I, I I think it's just it's good for me to have like a new you know it's a new challenge like a new frontier of of technology for me. Um, and to, you know, use my experience of learning it to help make it easier for people, um, other people to learn about it. So, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy with this. It's a, it's a fun, it's a challenging, fun place to be in right now, but it's good with good people. Well, I, I can't think of anybody, uh, you know, who's more equipped to cross that divide than you, cause you, <laughs> You're really, uh, yeah. You seem very comfortable on both sides of it. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I do. I, I've I've learned to not feel freaked out by the fact that I'm in groups with of people who are speaking a language that is almost like a foreign language. Not quite English. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, that makes me do things. Like I said, I, 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 um, I. Before I started App Camp for Girls, I went um, 
just on my own dime for a week to Big Nerd Ranch and did the iOS boot camp, which was mm-hmm. great. So awesome. So much fun for such hard work. But, you know, the people were great. And in general, you know, people are very generous with their their knowledge and their um, expertise in these geeky fields. And if you show that you're you're willing to, you know, learn something, not just be told something, you know, you're willing to say, um, have somebody um, explain to you and help you so you can do it the next time. Uh, that I, I never encountered somebody who hasn't been receptive to helping me. So, uh, so that's pretty cool. And uh, I think I don't know. I'm going to indie indie web. It's not boot camp, but it's like summit indie web summit, and here in Portland in June, mm-hmm. end of June. And I'm excited about that, but I expect to feel you know um, similarly a, a bit like I'm in over my head. But it doesn't bother me anymore. I think, and I think everybody's over in over their head in something. So, you know, it's good to have that experience. You know, you can be more compassionate about other people who don't understand the things you do. Um, if you allow yourself to be the person who doesn't understand in, in some other setting. And uh, definitely the first time I went to WWDC, I was like, I'm such a fraud. <laughs> I shouldn't be here. But I just made myself go to all the, the sessions that I thought would be interesting. And I learned things. And maybe I didn't like write, go out and write an iOS program right afterwards. But I learned, I, you know, it starts to fill in the blanks. And so I, I, I feel that's really important, you know, for people to just say, like, you know, like kind of let go of the end result and let yourself learn what you can. And don't worry about looking stupid because that's the killer. You know, that will get you every time. Well, I think that's a, I think that's a great thought to end on. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to look stupid. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I, I personally, uh, I, I'm personally, I'm personally never afraid to look stupid, Gene. So um, maybe, uh, so tell people where they can find you, uh, you know, all yeah. those things, blog, Twitter, microblog. Yeah, um, my I'm Mac Genie M A C G E N I E um, on Twitter, and also on micro dot blog. So if you go to micro dot blog slash Mac Genie, you'll find my micro blog. Um, I'm still working on my latest WordPress blog. Um, that had a tragic um, early death about a month and a half ago, and mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's I don't know what went wrong, but it's been hard to get the the enthusiasm to work on something that you know you lost all your hard work on um but i'm i'm, I'm committed to it i'm i'm also going to use mars edit so hmm. that i have everything locally so um i'm a mars edit beta tester now too um but uh twitter is the is the place you know that i'm i'm easiest to get to um and uh so I think I'll just leave it at that. I mean, or micro.blog, but um, feel free to to reach out. I, I I actually, you know, I've been mostly lucky on Twitter that no weird people have abused me in any significant way. So I'm still pretty open to, to interacting with strangers <laughs> uh, there and in micro.blog, of course. That's fantastic. Um, and if you'd like to follow uh, me on Twitter, 
Uh, I'm at Colin Donnell, as always. Uh, you can follow The Run Loop on Twitter at The Run Loop. And also, uh, if you'd like to support the show on Patreon, uh, we have a pa- I have a Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash Colin Donnell. Uh, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. And thank you, Gene, for coming on The Run Loop. Thank you. It was super fun to talk. Okay. Have a good day. You too.